back to another episode of CRP Classroom. In this episode, I want to talk about voidable contract in your general paper. General paper tend to be students' favourite because they are less to read, less to remember. And it is something that you may have come across in your LLB studies. But if you have some sort of problem studying your general paper, most likely is that somehow you got lost in between the flow of chapters. For example, once you found an issue, how should you start writing your answer? What should you write? How much should you write? The other issue is about time management. With regards to your general paper, students always have this problem that they don't have enough time to answer the questions. And then somehow they will neglect on answering the statement of claim, which if you actually had a look at your question paper, statement of claim has about 15 to 20 marks to it. So the issue is knowing what to write, writing relevant matter is very important. I've touched on this on how you should approach what you should do in your CLP study. It's first, you must understand legal principle. Second thing, it's on practice writing. And third is to practice on writing what is relevant. So if you start to write things that are irrelevant, that's where you start to lose time on answering other questions. Now, let's zoom into the chapter on voidable contract. Voidable contract means you can decide to void it or not, sort of like cancel it. So there are four types of voidable contract. Number one, coercion. Number two, undue influence. Number three, fraud. And number four, misrep. And fraud and misrep are highly examinable topics in your CRP exam. What happened in exam is this. During exams, students will start to define whatever they know. For example, fraud, misrep, the three different kinds of misrep, and write what they memorize. Now, you need to practice a skill is to find the balance of writing relevant and based on the amount of time is allocated. So first, you must look at what is the question asking. How many marks is it? How much of time do I have? Then from there, you roughly have an idea. What should I write? What should I not touch on? How should I apply to the question? If you start to define everything in your answer, you wouldn't have time to write everything. And that's where you will not be able to have time to answer on your statement of claim, which is about 20, 15 to 20 marks. Yes, you can define, but not in the expense of the time allocated. So maybe you can define in about two, three sentences and then move on straight to apply the questions. Now, you must get this in your head right now, that in CRP exam, length of answer doesn't matter. Of course, if you study LLB, you will realize, it probably you heard your lecturers will tell you you must have four pages of answers for every question. That's what I was told when I was an LB student as well. But in CLP, it, was, it is not about the amount you write, but it is about what you write and it must answer the question specifically. So write relevant answer and ask yourself, did your answer actually reply to the question that they asked you? The examiner is not interested in how much you can memorize, how well you can define something, but they are more interested in how you apply. 
For example, if you get a question on fraud and misrep, is there fraud and misrep in this question? What did that person do that amount to misrepresentation? What did he or she say? What actions did he do that amount to that fraud? And then the next thing is you need to look at Section 19 of Contracts Act, which states your exceptions and defences. So, for example, did the misrepresentation statement induce the plaintiff to enter into that contract? Then, did the plaintiff actually check that statement made by that person? Did he do any due diligence? These are the main points you argue based on the facts of the question. For example, who made that statement? Is it a manager or is it a junior level worker? Could the plaintiff have discovered by doing ordinary check? What does ordinary mean? Does making a phone call or driving to the construction site count as ordinary? These are critical issues that you need to look at and also skills that I hope and I can pass in and teach you all so that when you look at the questions and when you are in real life practice, when you are a lawyer next time, so you look at every case, every client from many, many different perspectives. It's like a 3D image of it. So rather than just one-sided perspective and you start to block things coming into you so you wouldn't be able to see other points of argument. So most importantly, these are where you get marks in exam. Not by defining this and that, it's by arguing these sort of points. Is there fraud or misrep? Did they do any due diligence? Is there any defences? What defences can you anticipate coming up from that defendant? Now, hopefully, short podcasts like this sort of give you an idea how you should approach your general paper rather than defining everything and you start to lose minutes, lose time in answering other parts of your question. So hopefully when you read, when you do notes for your voidable contract, when you read and do your past year questions, you will have a greater idea, a better idea on how you can actually apply to that question. So I'll see you all in next episode.